G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is entitled, Where's the Joy in Renewal? And it focuses on the events of Palm Sunday and Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 48. We hope you enjoy the sermon. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke chapter 19, beginning at the 28th verse. Glory Glory to to you, you, Lord Lord Jesus Christ. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany, at a hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they are untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, the people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had known on this day what would would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests and the teachers of the law and leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it, because the people hung on his words. Please pray for me as I pray for you. Loving Lord God, we thank and praise you for your goodness towards us in Christ Jesus. And we thank you that you are making all things new. Renew our hearts and minds as we look at your word this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we've come to our final sermon in our Lenten series, Empty Filled. We've looked at where's the joy in fasting. We've looked at where's the joy in prayer. Last week, we've looked at where's the joy in sacrifice. And today, we're going to look at where's the joy in renewal. Today, Palm Sunday really marks the beginning of Holy Week and the ride on into Easter as Jesus' greatest act of renewal. In Luke 18.31, we read, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going to Jerusalem. 
And everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. And they will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. As Jesus rides into Jerusalem, surrounded by crowds waving palms, he crosses the point of no return and sets his face like flint towards the cross, towards renewal. A couple of weeks ago, a palm tree dropped over our church fence. Um, David Wassell, um, who's removing the old rectory house, um, it, was, it was in his way and he was about to run over it. And the palm tree is really good for palm crosses. So he dug it out with his dingo and uh, dropped it on the side of our church lawn. But I didn't really know what to do with it because I'm not much of a green thumb. So it took me a while to enlist the help of Len Paulson and his dingo to replant it. And as you can see, it's, it, it's taken a bit of a bashing and um, it's looking a little bit sick. And if you go and look at it outside, you might think the palm tree is dying. But earlier in the week, I looked right in the center of the bush and I saw new leaves sprouting up. In God's good design and in God's good purpose, the tree is being renewed. And I think it's a perfect metaphor for what God does in our lives. Renewal is about resenting the ruin, elevating my expectations, naming Jesus as Savior, entrusting recreation to the Creator, and worshiping God forever. Jesus is all about renewal. As you can see, I've written you an acrostic poem again. Um, and so that's in your notes, in your uh, pew book. And if you want to write down notes, it's there for you. Now, before you want renewal, you need to resent the ruin. In many ways, Jesus enters a city in ruin. Sure, it was gleaming. There were beautiful Roman temples, uh, sorry, there was a beautiful Roman palace built by the Romans for their puppet king, Herod. Um, there was a beautiful temple which Herod built, which glistened in the sun. But in many ways, it was a fake, and it was a ruin of past glory. The people were dirt poor, the rulers were violent, and even God seemed distant and out of reach for regular people. The people had grown up with stories of Jewish kings of old riding into Jerusalem in peace on donkeys. And they prayed for God to renew their country, but everything seemed in ruin. There was, however, a group of religious folk who thought everything was fine. We meet them in verse 39 of chapter 7 and verse 47. They are the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and they had it good. They didn't feel like anything was ruined, and they had built up a system where they ruled over religion, while foreigners ruled over the state and over the army. And into this state of ruin, Jesus comes. People had seen him working miracles. They'd seen him heal the sick, feed the hungry, and bring the kingdom of God into their midst. And this is why Jesus' entry into Jerusalem is so electric. Look at um, Luke 19, verse 37, which says this. 
When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The people can't take it anymore. They resent the ruin. And Jesus has shown them something better. And they erupt in praise. Now things seem to be going well. Jesus is ticking lots of boxes. He's fulfilling prophecies from Isaiah, Zechariah, Jeremiah, Daniel, all over the place. Perhaps he is the guy who will renew the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Israel. Perhaps he'll boot out the Romans, become a real Jewish king, and make Israel great again. But soon, Jesus runs into false expectations. Look at verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. The self-proclaimed religious police tried to shush Jesus' disciples. They know that if the Romans hear people talking about a king other than the Roman emperor, they will be held to pay. But Jesus tells them to elevate their expectations. He says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Here people are getting excited about what's going on. It's the beginning of the high point in God's renewal plan. Jesus has come to redeem all creation. He's come to save not just people, but the world. And for the moment, he's accepting the praise. He deserves all of this and more. And at the same time, in these words, he's kind of ribbing the Pharisees. He's saying, are you so thick? Are you thicker than rocks? The rocks can see what is going on here. And you are trying to shush people from glorifying God. But sadly, it's not just some people who miss the significance of this moment. As Jesus looks out over God's holy city, the Jerusalem, the city of peace, he says, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Everyone's expectations are too low. No one grasps the gravity of what is going on. The city that now welcomes him with praise will soon reject him. And then Jesus prophesies about an event 70 years in the future, about how this gleaming fake city will be destroyed. In 66 AD, harsh taxation led to a rebellion. And the rebels held Jerusalem for four years until the Romans built an embankment around the city, just as Jesus prophesied. They breached the walls. They sacked the city, killing men, women, and children. Jesus can see this in his mind's eye. The people's low expectations keep them from seeing their Savior and experiencing the renewal that he brings. And so he weeps. Friends, do we weep over the fact that right now, in our town and district, there are thousands of people who don't know 
Jesus. People who are going to hell outside of the grace of God. People expect too little of God. And taking matters into our own hands will cost dearly. Friends, this is a reminder that we need to elevate our expectations of God. What do you want from God? What do you want from God this Easter? Do you want wealth? Do you want power? Do you just want a quiet life? God wants more for us so often that we could possibly want for ourselves. He will stop at nothing short of renewal. And this is why naming Jesus as Savior is so vital. As he enters Jerusalem, he doesn't go to a king's palace or to the Roman garrison to start a fight and lead a rebellion. He turns to the temple instead. It's amazing how in the narrative it just seems like the crowd disperses. They go, oh, well, that was disappointing. And it's so sad because Jesus is fulfilling all these prophecies and you'd expect that people would be waiting him for him in the temple, that there would be a, a landing strip ready to, to glorify God's chosen Savior as he goes into the house of the Lord. But as Jesus enters the temple, it's not full of worshippers, but hucksters. People selling doves and lambs at inflated prices to tourists. Everyone entering the temple had to pay the temple tax, which you could only pay in Tyrian shekels. Um, it, was like this, it was like this old form of money. So people had to exchange their local money, their Roman money, uh, into Tyrian shekels, which could only be used in the temple at the time. And guess what? The money changes in the temple would charge huge prices, really inflated exchange rates, and make big profits. And they do this in the court of the Gentiles, the outside, outer court of, um, of the temple, which was the temple um, where, where, where visitors, if you, if you were becoming interested in, in God, you would enter that outer court. You were not allowed in the in, inner sanctum, um, particularly if you weren't a Jew. Uh, but Jesus notices that the first thing people see when they come into the temple is hucksters and, and this, this huge commerce-driven false religion. And so Luke 19 verse 45 says, Jesus began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. I love um, Gustave Doris's depiction of this event. There's chaos in the temple as shocked merchants shield themselves from Jesus. He stands at the center solemn and angry and the rulers lurk in the background plotting to kill him there should have been a welcoming party ready to receive jesus in the temple but instead he confronts injustice the gods of commerce are being worshipped while the god of the universe is being ignored people are peddling salvation rather than naming Jesus as Savior. 
Rather than turning to God for salvation, God's people are turning elsewhere, even in the temple. Friends, renewal is about recognizing that religion won't save you. Buying things won't save you. A happy life won't bring you renewal. Jesus is our only hope. The contrast Luke draws here is cutting. Every day, this is Jesus, was teaching in the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it, because all the people hung on his words. So you have the people who are trying to get rid of Jesus, and you've got the people hanging on his every words. A few are ready to name Jesus as their saviour, even as things are getting darker and darker. But as things get darker, God's renewal shines through. And here we see Jesus continue his works of recreation. His days are numbered, but he won't give up. He continues to teach. All of Jesus' miracles are acts of renewal. They're acts of recreation, bringing healing and wholeness back into people's lives. And so is his teaching. Archbishop J.C. Ryle says it like this, Jerusalem had a special season of mercy and privilege in that week when Jesus taught in the temple. The Son of God himself visited her. The mightiest miracles that man had ever seen were wrought around her. The most wonderful preaching that ever was heard was preached within her walls. The day of the Lord's ministry were days of the clearest cause to repentance and faith that ever any city had. What boggles the mind is that many people rejected Jesus' preaching. Some people just walked on by while Jesus was trying to show them the path to renewal. Friends, as Easter approaches, I beg you, don't miss this opportunity to immerse yourself in God's recreative story. There will be family dinners, holidays, Easter egg hunts, and those are good things. But don't miss the point of Easter. Come to Maundy Thursday and remember Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Come to Good Friday and wrestle with his death. Take time out on Easter Saturday to think and reflect on Jesus' time in the tomb. And then come out next Sunday morning, awake and alive, ready to rejoice in the resurrection. God's act of recreation. If you're going on holidays, find a church near you. Or take a Holy Week devotional. We've got them at the back of the church. Um, we've got plenty of copies. You can take them for your friends. Don't be like the people who walked past Jesus in the temple. Be like those who hung on his every word, entrusting recreation to the Creator. And this brings me to my final point. God saves, redeems, and recreates. So what do we do? We worship. After Easter, we're going to be doing a series on the book of Revelation. Uh, and lots of Christians fear Revelation because other Christians make it sound scary. But Revelation isn't scary. It's comforting. 
It's filled with hope and it's brimming with joy. Like the account of Palm Sunday in Luke, it's raw and there are shocking parts. But in the end, it's all about renewal. In Revelation 21, we get this vision of Jesus on his throne. Verse 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea no longer existed. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. At the end of the Bible, we don't get a vision of cherubs floating on clouds. Instead, there is a new heaven and a new earth, and heaven and earth are one. Jesus rode into Jerusalem to redeem it, and while it wasn't ready for him, the new Jerusalem will come down from heaven prepared like a bride. Jesus rode into Jerusalem to die for his people. On that day, most people missed him, and some wanted to kill him. One day, Jesus will come back and every eye will see him and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes in a world where grief, crying, pain and death are no more. Jesus is making all things new. The way we work with him on this project is through worship. Worship is singing, but it's much more than that. It's working with passion and integrity in the jobs God's given me to do. It's loving my family and working for their good. It's about loving my neighbor, even the one who criticizes me. It's about freely sharing my possessions with those in need. While only a handful of disciples worshiped Jesus as he entered Jerusalem, And even fewer were there at the foot of the cross. The day is coming when every eye will see and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Don't waste your life on false worship. Pour out your life as a living sacrifice to God. And God will renew you. So friends, let's ride on with Jesus this holy week. Let's resent the ruin around us. Let's elevate our expectations of God. Let's nominate Jesus as Savior. Let's entrust recreation to the creation, creator. And let's worship God forever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.